What's up, everybody? I am so fired up about my guest today. I got Miss Jane in the house. She's one of my favorite people. Somebody told me she's the Asian version of me, which I don't know. I I I think she looks. I think she's gorgeous. But I also I th I took that as a huge compliment. But she's one of my favorite people. Uh, so welcome, Jane. Excited to have you on. Thank you, Jane. I'm super pumped to be here. Thank you so much. Yes. Absolutely. You're yeah, going to inspire us all. Ah, gosh. And that's so complimentary. I, I, I got to thank Jules because that's the best compliment ever. If I can be even remotely close to the passion <laughs> in your heart and how organized, like, you know, I can go on and on about you. So that's a great compliment. I'll have to give Jules a big hug for, for that one. <laughs> yeah, she's she's amazing. And she's actually one of the biggest reasons why we came together. So you know, we met, you know, t I guess two, three years ago. Nobody knows what time is anymore after the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we met at an event through, mm -hmm. you know, through someone, through someone, through someone. <laughs> and actually, actually, I, I really like, I just remember meeting her and being like, dang, I love your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> you have me um, at red shoes i love it <laughs> yep that's right that's right and but you know but on a serious note you know after like we had a great connection that night i think it was out in in san diego um mm -hmm. in la jolla i think or del mar del mar mm -hmm. uh and we just you know afterward i was like gosh she's just such a cool person she's a mom she's a powerhouse you know, and I remember like you blazed a trail in, in the industry that you were in at the time and you had been, you know, done so much in, you know, the banking and financial industry. So I just, I really thought that this would be a great talk because I appreciate who you are personally, but I also think a lot of people would gain so much value from hearing your story. So oh, gosh. I'm Thank excited to, uh, to have you on. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I think actually, I think it was probably about three and a half, four years ago. I think we we're at a Series A capital raise or something like that. And mm -hmm. um, at the time, I had just, I think I just transitioned into the cannabis industry. So prior to that, I was in traditional banking 20 years. I started out as a teller, 18 years old, worked my whole way up uh, to oh, vice wow. president of. SBA credit for an $11 billion bank. And, you know, I did that for a really long time. My, my degrees in psychology. So my passion is actually people. Um, gosh, that banking, you know, they just kept on promoting me and offering a young girl some good money and a, a chance to, you know, experience a lot of different things and learn something that at the time there really wasn't sort of direct and more traditional like, um, education for that like you learned how to underwrite how to be a banker by working for a bank and figuring out where you fit and you know um and when the opportunity to do sba lending in particular hit i was super passionate about that there's there was nothing more fulfilling than helping doug get his third subway set up subway i love your sub still uh <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. um you know and I did that for, I did credit underwriting, I think in total, cause you know, there are kind of a, a few different changes here and there, but for a total, I was probably doing a government guaranteed lending for about 10 years, commercial lending for another five on top of that. So really I am just, 
really a traditional commercial banker. And that's what I did. I had no plan to be there. <laughs> I just yep. did. And, and there were some great things about that. I met some amazing people and I learned so much. And, you know, it's kind of nice to see those businesses still open, some of them even. So um, it was a really great experience. But I think just like a lot of other people, you do something for five, 10, 15, almost 20 years, you just, you kind of feel a little stuck. And I think in particular for myself, despite the fun that I had, despite the friends that I made, the experience that I accumulated, um, that was never my plan. And so you just, you, one day you, you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm X number years old. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I have this great career, but it, I, I never planned to be here. You know, uh, when you're, a, when you're a young person and particular for myself, I, my parents are, um, immigrants from the Philippines. So I'm first generation born here in the States. Um, there wasn't a lot of, what do you want to be when you grow up? What will be most fulfilling? There really wasn't a lot of that. It was, you know, what's going to be a good stable job? What's going to help you take care of yourself and your family when you get older? So there really wasn't a lot of talk about passion when I was growing up. And we've talked about this a little bit. I, I think that just generationally, that's more of a focus today than it was when we were growing up. And I think that's an amazing, wonderful thing. Um, but, you know, again, waking up something years old, um, I really just started to do a, <laughs> I really just started to do a little... Um, a little self-reflection on what the wants were rather than the not wants were. Um, And really excitingly enough, um, I was actually recruited out of the commercial banking world to enter into regulated cannabis in California. So huge jump from what you're doing every single day. I really had no idea what I was gonna be in for. Um, and a way new space too at the time, like yeah. kind of figuring stuff out, you know? Oh, and, and that the regulated industry truly still is. Um, and, and the reason why I really like to make that distinction is that the economy within the cannabis industry isn't just that of the regulated community. There is a legacy yeah. community out there that does drive a pretty big force within um, California's economy. Um, and kind of create some friction there. So without getting into too much of that stuff, because I think that's a whole other show. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure we could cover that in detail. <laughs> there's, um, you know, there's, there's an analogy that a lot of people in this space use is that we were building a plane in the sky. So um, it was probably the most exciting and challenging and just, most fulfilling three and a half, four years of my life. I worked crazy hours, but I never felt better about what I was doing. I was helping an industry, or at least that's what my driving force was, is that I was I was helping and I was a part of an industry and in a community that really had been marginalized for a really long time. So while I think that um, people still to this day are absolutely entitled to their own opinion about cannabis consumption, whether it's medical or recreational, what have you, uh, I personally, personally do not think that there is any shame that anybody should ever feel if they want to 
have an edible at the end of their day to kind of unwind in the same token that, you know, a lot of people have a glass of wine. I don't mm-hmm. think that there's anything wrong with giving your, um, your family uh, member cannabis to help with their epilepsy. This, um, the way that a lot of people use, you know, all kinds of really bad, um, not, I don't want to say bad, that's probably not side effects, bad. side effects, medications yeah. with side effects, well, medica- medications. Um, my brother's yeah. actually epileptic. So, um, that, in, that thing in particular, there's a lot of medications for epilepsy that are actually very, very, very unhealthy to be on long term, but there are not a lot of alternatives. So to be able to help um, really a, a new industry on a regulated side, really start to take a look and study and help that, um, that side of it too, and access to it, and maybe some standardization and just really closely look at this plant and how it might help us. Um, it was just, just super exciting. Um, obviously not everybody was pumped. (laughs) It's new and it's scary. And, you know, luckily I have a very supportive family. Um, and you know, there were some people that had a lot of questions and even once I was in, there was even more questions, but, um, I think at that time I, I was just very ready for something different and I was ready to be challenged and um, yeah, despite the long hours, it was in particular the first couple of years, it was really, really fulfilling and completely worth um, the anxiety of taking that jump and yeah. knowing that my skill set in the banking world for all the different roles that I held there absolutely can transition. So I think that that is something that um, a lot of people could really benefit from knowing that there are people that have done that and and found success in however you might want to define that. Um, But it kind of takes that leap of faith first. You know what, you just said so much that I want to like touch on, you know, well, I want to touch on the fact that you are a, what I would consider like an entrepreneur, somebody who throws themselves into the job, almost treats it like it's their own, right? Which can translate really well into becoming an, an entrepreneur. And I always celebrate entrepreneurship and, you know, going on on your own, you know, doing that though, you know, when I went from medicine and there's, you touched on a couple of the things of why I left medicine to, to become an entrepreneur, but you know, sort of side effects and medications and all that stuff. But like, I needed that support. There is no way that I would have been able to make that transition if I didn't have that kind of support at home. And it was at the beginning, it was more like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but okay, kind of like that. Right. <laughs> and questions right. and all that stuff. But like, but really taking a leap of faith. I think mm-hmm. anytime you're going out doing something new, whether it's your own business, a new job, what have you, you have to step out on faith a little bit more and kind of believe in, if you can see a bigger picture of what you're trying to create. Sure. I think that's really huge. Like, and I have a question for you because I know that that's, that's shifted. I mean, we didn't, we didn't get a lot of time to hang out and chat on the phone or, you know, even like, you know, do much for a long yeah. time because you were so busy, you know, like how do you, how did you, or 
and this is an interesting question because I, I know so much of the backstory that I'm like, how, should I answer this? <laughs> how do you how do you draw the line when you're working for someone else to find that balance? Yeah, that's a that's a big one. Um, gosh, that's a really big one. Um, and there's so much bleed out there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to like re- calm myself down so that I can address it <laughs> another time. Um, <laughs> yeah. I so, know, girl, I know. <laughs> um, so finding that balance, really, um, what I've learned through a variety of experiences, and, and I still am learning and putting this into practice for myself. So I think that that's something that really people need to understand is that we're all a work in progress. We're not perfect. You know, you can do your best to try to, to, to do these things. But um, what I've found, not only in the cannabis industry, but even in, in banking, because like you said, I just had kind of had this sort of work ethic that I made the job for somebody else very much like my own little mini company. Um, I had a lot of pride in work and I just wanted things to be perfect and I wanted always help and I wanted everybody that was handing something off to me to make it easier for them and making it to people that I was handing things off to make it easier for them, right? So um, it's because you have this internal drive for perfection and solutions. I I think a lot of solution-oriented people are this way. Um, It's difficult to turn it off. Um, I think it was that much more difficult for people to turn it off when everybody was working at home um, during COVID because it was shut down. And now you've got multiple adults in one house that are working in their little corners trying to find somewhere safe and quiet. (laughs) Right. Um, But, you know, you could always just like, oh, I can, I'm just going to do this really quick. I'm just going to do this really quick. Right. Um, And then you, you kind of add in, when you really talk about COVID, the, the shortage of help and people that were now gone for a variety of reasons, um, it's really easy to get caught up and not have that um, balance between work and life. So um, long, long way around, <laughs> it's not easy to do. <laughs> and what it really boils down to to try to is to have boundaries and even set those boundaries. You have to know what your boundaries are to know what your boundaries are. You need to acknowledge that you need them. Um, I think for sections of my life, I forgot that I needed to have balance that I needed to remember that I needed to invest myself, make time for myself, you know, whatever that looked like. Um, and it really is just, it's taking those steps, whatever, whatever phase you're in <laughs> of setting boundaries and then executing on that. And I think it's, it's, it's a challenge. I think it's a challenge for everybody. I'm so glad that you said that because I'm totally unbalanced. Like, <laughs> I'm, I've, and, and you know what, you know, you said something the other day, you were like, oh man, I saw you post that picture of you guys like doing your calendars and stuff. You're so like, you're on it. I'm like, I try, I really do, but I think you're right. Setting those boundaries, having those boundaries and having them be a little bit clearer, you know, they're still not going to be perfect. It's still not going to be balanced because somebody told me once, I I think it was Tim Grover. I was reading his book. He was like, when you're balanced, like the scales are set to zero. Yep. So you really aren't progressing when that happens. So it's okay to be unbalanced for a time, right? you know? 
and and then you're going to be unbalanced in another area. I mean, it's 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 just the way of it. It's just life. You know what I mean? Like you go on this this mm-hmm. wheel, and guess- and you hope to be able to find the the happiness along the way. That's the goal. You know? Right, right. And I and I think that like um, I forget who you were quoting there, but it, it really is more of a balancing act rather than uh, uh, like a condition. Right. It, like you find balance through balancing there. There will be times when you've kind of got to give and take. Um, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. It, it's a work. So I have a question for you that's kind of like out. It, it's it's the same. It's along the same lines, but it's a little bit different. So, I mean, as a, a, a young woman coming up in an industry dominated by men, mm. how how did you keep it all in perspective? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm from the financial industry. Yes. It's dominated by men. You know, my dad was like, are you sure that's what you want to do? I'm like, well, I don't want to do medicine. So I need to find something that I can be passionate about. And and I am really passionate about it, but I'm kind of curious. Like, did you feel intimidated when you were started? Like, how did you push through things to be, you know, a woman in a male dominated field? Sure. Um, well, I think, uh, gosh, I would say early, early in my career is very different from later in my career, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think in particular, the way that I ended up being a career banker kind of affects this a little bit. Um, because in the early time or early phases of, of my career, I was super proud, right? So you learn about things like the glass ceiling and things like that. And I'm like, uh what glass ceiling? Yeah. <laughs> I see nothing. Okay. I see nothing. I see nothing, right? And I'm, you know, and and you and you know that you're good at what you do. You know that you're helping people. You and you you see the progress. You see the benefits. Everybody, you know, and in particular when you when you are um, blessed with a team that you're able to work well with. Um, truthfully, early in my career, I really didn't notice at all. Um, it's really retrospect is when I really started to see it. And as you get a little bit older and in particular for banking, um, that bottleneck gets tight. So, um, once I, once you start to get into the, bo- the bottleneck of promotion, um, you start to, you really start to reevaluate stuff. So again, initially I, I didn't really even notice. And then when I started to look back, like, oh man. There's only female in there. <laughs> oh gosh, I am a badass. It was like only two people of color in the room, and I was one of them. <laughs> you know, and you you start to realize that. And, Go, and best I, friend. Right. Sorry. <laughs> um, but truly, because I I never really thought about that actively when things were pro- progressing. Um, I don't know that I was particularly dealing with it in any kind of way, right? Because I didn't really notice everything. Everything felt merited. Everything was based on merit. The people that were surrounding me, for the most part, I don't. I don't think I ever felt like nobody at the table um, didn't belong. But as I've gotten older, and you know, I've got nieces and nephews, and you know, the, the social climate that we live in today is really um, triggered a lot of conversations with uh, the generation beneath me. And um, 
you know, gosh, the, the, the younger generation just has such interesting questions and they just, they have no filter and they want to know. And they, they and <laughs> yep. um, And so I, I think as, as I've aged, um, it's not really so much how I've been able to deal with it or, or anything like that. It's more, I think I, I take a lot of pride in being one of those different faces within leadership and serving as an example to my nieces and my nephews and their friends or whatever, or even, you know, I've, I've got mentors that are generations older than myself and I've got mentors that are actually younger than myself. And so um, to kind of be able to share our experiences, which are very different from one another, um, I, I take a lot of pride in being an example for those that haven't gotten there yet that, you know, there are faces that look like yours that are at the table. It is not mm-hmm. going to be easy to get to the table. It's not easy typically for anybody to get to the table. So It's never freaking easy. It shouldn't be easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, you know, that doesn't negate the fact that I think it's important for um, less represented faces to be at the table to show that, you know, they're worthwhile. Um, and that they can do it and, but that it does take work. Um, yeah, you have to, uh, I think it's good to blame. I'm sure it, it was, you set an example for people. I think we forget, you know, I'm super ambitious. You're super ambitious. You just, it's, it's like when people ask you, like, how do you parent or how do you handle this, 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 you just do, you just do it. <laughs> like you, you don't, it's not like, Oh, I don't want to feed my kid today. Like, you, no, you, that's not an option. Like, you just do it, right? Right. So it's, it's one of those things that you don't realize who's watching behind right. you. So when you're in that situation, you're like, I'm just going to do the best that I know how to do. And you forget that, that you are blazing a trail for other people. They right. are watching you and seeing that you stepped up your game or you worked harder or you set a great example or you did it, you know? Right. So you set, the best exa- you set the best personal example that you can sure. regardless of who you are, you know? Sure. 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 And, and so I, I have a question. Go ahead. No, oh, uh, I was just going to no, say, I, was gonna, I, I, I think go. it, uh, <laughs> I think that um, that's for wins and losses. Right. I think particular in particular with social media, the way that it is today, it's important for um, those true interpersonal interactions that you have with your family and friends and stuff like that, that there are moments of failure and there are moments that you win. And there's times that things get really, really hard and you just got to get yourself back up and reset and, you know, strategize and really not give up on on what's truly important to you. So, um, keep moving forward. Keep, yeah, keep, oh, that's what Robin says, you know. It's, it's, you know, I, I love Jane so much. We could talk for hours. I was like, we got to keep this to a half an hour. How are we going to do it? Um, I know. I don't know. Um, we'll do our best. So, okay. So, all right. So, what's with the big quit? Okay. The great resignation, the, you know, all these people, I mean, four and a half million people left their jobs in November, right? Yep. And it was like 15 million in 2021 before that, right? right. So over the last several months. So like, yeah. what is it that people are looking for? Or, see, you know, what are they seeking? What are they running away from? Like, what do you think? And I, I ask this of every guest because I feel like it's important to touch yeah. on. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the, the great resignation has a lot to do with a lot of different factors. COVID, obviously, super impactful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with the opportunity with COVID, there were a lot of people that were given a choice to no longer work. Like, hey, this is this is happening and we've got to cut people and, you know, this is kind of what we're thinking. And there were a lot of friends that I had that had companies that were in that position where they knew they were going to have to have cuts. They didn't know how long it was going to happen. Um, and people had the choice to be able to, to be part of, you know, different sets of groups that were let go at different phases as they trim staff down. Um, and there were people that took advantage of that. And maybe not initially, because it's like, oh, gosh, no, I need my job. You're tripping, right? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, COVID, with working at home and stuff like that, I think people had more time to reflect about kind of what we were talking about at the top, the wants. How did I get here? Did I ever really want to do this? Like, am I happy? Am I fulfilled? It, you know, I, I, I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, Uh, (laughs) And he was talking about, um, you know, people being depressed, right? Like they, you wake up in the morning, you go get, you get ready for this job that you aren't passionate about. You get into the car and you're stuck in the car going into traffic. And then you get into your job and you sit in a row of cubicles and you're trapped in that little box for eight to 12 hours. And then you, you get out of there and then you get back into your car box, drive home, get back to your home box, and, you know, try to do what you need to do there, go to sleep. And then you do it all over again. And you've got this pattern of, of doing that, you know, 40 to 80 hours a week, right? In particular for COVID. So yeah. now, we're, now I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the next set of people when it comes to the great resignation. So there's people that, that had that choice and they kind of took advantage of it in the beginning to kind of reflect and, and figure out what they wanted to do. Then there's this next set of people, people that stayed on the workforce, the essential individuals. I got a lot of people that were essential during COVID. I was one of them. I went from working 60 hour work weeks to like 80, 90 work weeks. And I was going crazy. I was living on adrenaline. My doctor was concerned for me. My re- my resting heart rate was 110. Like I just, you know, I was, woo, I was a mess. I was a mess. <laughs> but, you know, again, it's difficult to find that balance, in particular when you're solution oriented and things need to get done. And you exacerbate that by the fact that you're short staffed and stuff needs to get done. Um, and I, I think what happened with the next phase of people that resigned is they were burnt out. It just, it just couldn't do it anymore. And some people had some kind of catalytic event where, you know, maybe a loved one died or a relocation needed to happen, something. And, um, unfortunately there are, um, I have some personal instances within my circle where, you know, employers were like, tough, we need you. You can't do whatever it is that you need to do personally, even though you've got six weeks of vacation and you're no longer accruing because you hit your cap. And, you know, <laughs> like they, people had these experiences and they were just, maybe they didn't have as much time of reflection as, as those that kind of quit earlier on um, and wanted to actually actively rethink what made them fulfilled. I think there was another phase of people that were like, man, 
what the heck am I doing? <laughs> There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this, you know, and, and they don't, they didn't feel appreciated. They were overworked, you know, taken for granted. And, you know, while you, you add in that everybody else is going to the Grand Canyon <laughs> with their family and selling their houses for, you know, $500,000. The top, the top of the market. And then yeah. buying an RV and homeschooling their kids and just traveling the country, you know? So um, I think that next phase of people that resigned, I think many of them were in that kind of a situation that it COVID created the situation where people were just squeezed to a level where there was just no more juice and um, they just quit. <laughs> they couldn't fake it anymore. They couldn't fake it anymore. Right. Do you know what I mean? And, and to, to faking it, right? Like, I think that you have like the kind of professionalism and, and the same kind of like upbringing on, on, you know, saving face, like within, you know, what our parents would, would instill yeah. in us. You know, you, you always got to put your best face forward. But I think, you know, people were just done. They were just done. And, um, I was actually really surprised at that number that you said um, just for November, all on all on its own. I was actually expecting people to really the stragglers <laughs> of the Great Resignation. I yeah. actually feared that this would happen in maybe February or March after after bonuses are paid. But um... <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I just think that you know, well, pers I personally choose to believe that people are looking for a way out you know mm -hmm. they're looking for a way out you know is this all there is is this what my life is going to be I'm just supposed to go to work for the rest of my life and like s serve someone else's goal sure, Do you know what I mean sure. serve someone else's purpose and goal um, instead of my own and so like I personally I saw the writing on the wall I was in PA school at USC. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to want to work for somebody for the rest of my life. Mm. And my, everybody I knew was like, you're out of your freaking mind. What are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I just, I just feel like running a business is like the way I want to go. Oh, I want freedom. And I want, yeah. I want, I want my work ethic and my, like my, my my fire my everything to be yeah. what determines the future for myself and my family and sure. i choose to believe that a lot of people feel that way too sure and i'm sure of the millions of the 20 million people that yeah. just left their jobs in the last two years <laughs> oh yeah yeah i don't doubt it and i hope i god i hope that there are a good number of people that are entrepreneurs and want to build a foundation on their own value set and really give um give us a taste of something new right yeah um I, I definitely do believe that but um we've talked if, they it, it, you know? if they want it that's only if, if they, they want, want it right it. I think that there's um there is a lot of things out there, especially with like direct marketing companies and stuff like that. Like there's just a lot of pitch for working for yourself. You make a hundred thousand dollars without having to do anything really. You just gotta like post on TikTok. Like uh, <laughs> I, I hope I hope not. 
I, I think that there's there is sort of like a cultural immediacy um, kind of feeling out there um, that's being pushed, like be your own boss, make all this money, you know, then you're, you're going to make, you know, all this money and it'll be all for you kind of a thing. Right. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Easy. there's two things to that. One, that is not easy. <laughs> As a small business, no. owner, I am very familiar with what it's like to, to be a startup company. I have given yeah. out or not given out. I've approved millions and millions of dollars in startup um, funding for small companies. So I can tell you 100% it is not easy to be an entrepreneur. It takes a lot of compromise and sacrifice and support and slips and falls and getting back up and dusting yourself off. And, you know, you got to watch Meet the Robinsons like 100 times to remind <laughs> yourself to moving forward. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just give me time. Yes. <laughs> Just, you know, listen to a lot of David Meltzer. Um, yes. What's <laughs> more um, happiness for everybody? Yeah, you know, it's, but you, you got to stay positive of mind, accept the challenges for what they are, work through them. And, mm -hmm. you know, you'll, I, I think with enough time and effort, resources, investment, all those things, um, entrepreneurship is, could be a very fulfilling lifestyle for people. And, and I think truly there are people that, that that is their calling and that their heart will not be right in, unless that is what they're doing. But I, I think that there is this other set of the population that's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, um, I, I used to be a branch manager of, of a location here in northern San Diego. And there was a gal that was a teller. She had been a teller since she like in her 30s. She was in her 50s now. And she had, she was just a teller. I don't want to say just she was a teller. That's what she wanted to do. She was comfortable with the pay. And that's what she was going to do. She was great at so many things. And, you know, managers kind of have this tendency to be you see this talent in somebody and you, you want to help lift them up and you feel like promoting them is, is the best way to lift them up. But that's just what she wanted. She wanted to be able to come. She was happy. She was happy. She felt very fulfilled in that. She, you know, yeah. she did other things, obviously, um, you know, like because her work hours were her work hours. She didn't work a minute second more <laughs> than she needed to, but she yeah. felt very fulfilled. And I think that that's a beautiful thing too. I think, um, people really need to just address within themselves what's going to make them happy. And being an entrepreneur is not that's everything. It. <laughs> that's it. Right. No, but that's it right there is do what makes you happy. What makes you happy. Do what makes if you you happy. can find something that makes you happy, then run with it and run with exactly. it as long as it makes you happy. Exactly. You know? And don't be an asshole while you get it. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Please, don't be an asshole. Life, like, life would be so much easier if people would just stop being assholes. So it would be great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh wait. Okay. So I have a couple questions. Like my my this or that. So and and I I I don't know where they are, but I know I know that I have some good ones for you. So oh easy God, ones I'm like I'm <laughs> like easy ones like cat or dog. Oh, dog. Dog. Okay. Uh, I I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, call, yeah, I, I don't have any pets right now. And we're kind of on a pet hiatus right now. Um, call or text. Depends on who you are. 
Okay. All right. It depends. That's a good answer. Um, so beach vacation, mountain, skiing, skiing, snowboarding. Oh, skiing, snowboarding, or mountains. That's like kind of like a different thing, right? Like, well, yeah. no, no. Yeah, ski snowboarding, ski snowboarding, ski trip kind of deal, or beach. Oh, oh beach. Beach, 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 beach. Okay, everybody says that. Um, <laughs> but I love the mountains. Like, I didn't know I love the mountains. I just went to Yellowstone, and I was like, oh, I'm going to live in the woods forever. I just don't want the snow. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, snow is a little, it's, it's different. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it just depends on if you're prepared for it. It's kind of like yeah, my thing. Yeah, that's really what it is, totally. Um, what about um well, um dinner with friends, like big dinner with friends or small intimate? Mm. Small intimate. I small intimate. It gets okay. loud like it's a big group, but <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay, so I had another question about, I, I guess it's just like simple, like at home comfort, you know, yoga pants or dressed up. Oh, gosh. Okay, so full transparency, majority of the time, I'm in my large men's Puma sweats from Costco. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and an AT. Like, that's like standard uniform when I'm chilling at home. Um, but, I mean, you've, you've seen me when I'm out and about. I, I love I love to get dolled up, you know. Yes. I think, I think you can do both. And I think I love them both equally. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's changed too. Like being able to like work at home and be yeah. comfortable. Yeah, we, we're we're going to an event this week, and my husband's like, "Do I really have to put jeans on?" I'm like, "Jeans, seriously? Like, I think you'll be okay." Like, he's like, "They're just so uncomfortable." I'm like, "Compared to Adidas pants, okay, all yeah. right." <laughs> I'm like, "It's just for a few hours, babe. It's gonna be fine." Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Anyhow, well, you know what? I have so much fun talking to you and I knew this would be a great interview and I love your perspective because I think that the, the more that we can understand where people are going and where their mindset is, the fresher that we can be able to help people find whatever it is that they're seeking, whether it's a new job or, you know, a, a new opportunity, it's the things that making them happy. Like you blazed a lot of trails in your life. You know what I mean? Going into the industry that you were in and at first, you know what I mean? And then going into an industry where, you know, it's, it's kind of like the wild West in a lot of ways, you know, kind of figuring things out along the way. And it's always nice to be able to, to hear the perspective of someone who's not afraid to, to pony up to a challenge, you know? Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I mean, nothing worthwhile is, is easy. I mean, I, I think that most that have, have been through some stuff <laughs> know yes. that, that came with great reward, um, you know, and, and, and not to give David another shout out here, but uh, I, I saw him post something the other day that he loves when things get hard. And I was like, what in the damn hell are you talking about, David? You love yeah. And then, but then like, you know, you got to scroll over and it's like, <laughs> because that's when you know something even better is coming along. 
right? Um, oh, and so like, good. you don't realize that in the fat in the moment because it's yeah. it's trying to see the whole forest when you're in the middle of the trees, and and it's I think what really really helps, and I, I think something that I hope people don't forget about is that when things get hard, that's when you need to rely on your friends. So um, I know that for myself, I've had some pretty hard times and, you know, it was, it was really a blessing for me to be able to call you and lose my mind for the 15 minutes that I had. (laughs) I was honored that day though. Honestly, I really was honored because that was like height of pandemic crazy stuff going on and like you know I was glad to be able to have that conversation with you because I really got a a a better sense of like where your head was at and I knew that there were a lot of people in the same place as you but I really felt like wow that's cool that she you know was able to to share with me all that was going on and then to hear which we did not talk about but then to hear what happened later I'm really glad for you you know what I mean I'm really glad that you're in the situation that you're in now, which is better. So, so as crazy as it sounds, like when things get hard, something, something better really is on the horizon. So, so yeah. stay positive. Yeah. Surround yourself with positive people, and don't be an asshole. <laughs> Please, just don't be an asshole. So, man, I just I love today. You know what? Look, yeah. all I know is I want to share good, good energy and goodness and good people mm. with the world. You know, and to be able to lift people up and share that that kind of message is awesome. So, you know, I always I say you're it. doing this. Congratulations. Oh, this is great. It's thank important. You. So thank you. So everybody out there in TV land, you know, be inspired for a great life, everybody. Take care. Thanks, Jane. Welcome. Bye.